The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hi, I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast on BBC Sounds. This week, Jeff Hodge is my special guest, taking a calls on everything from roses, tomatoes and grapes that he wanted to make into wine. We've also got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden, plus our plant of the week. We go straight to your calls. And this week, we start with Jackie from Hockley. Good morning, Ken. Yes, please. I need, need your advice. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to move about three rose bushes because they've been planted far too close together. When's the best time? I know it's not a good good thing to do, but they must. I've got to move them. Right. My only question would be how old are the roses? You know, how long have they been in the ground? That would About three years, I oh, think. That... Not bad at all, is it, Jeff? For three years? No, um, roses don't like to be moved, as I think you've intimated, Jackie. She has. And, yeah. and old roses like to be moved even less. But yours are only three years, so uh, you've got a good chance of success. Um, and as you've said, you've got to do it, so you've got to do it. A um, couple of things before. Well, the, the, the the best time to do it is is when they're dormant. So as soon as they've dropped all their leaves, which could be from November onwards, that would be the time to do it. Um, just a couple of hints and tips for you. Uh, the day before you decide to do it, water the soil thoroughly around each one so mm-hmm. that um, uh, the soil is moist and the roots are charged with water. Cut down the stems hard before you move. And How low do you mean? Well, well, as hard as you dare. I mean, if if they're six foot high, I would be taking them down to probably two foot high. Because uh, you need to take the stress off the roots. Um, the problem with roses is that they don't form a lot of fibrous roots, so they don't make a root ball as such. And when you when you start digging them up, all the soil falls off them, and, and you're often just left with bare roots. So try and take... Um, as much soil as you possibly can uh, without disturbing as much as you possibly can, and then you've got a much better chance of success. Anything you'd put round the rose when you plant it? Would you put any, you know... Um, mycorrhizal mycorrhizal fungi. Mycorrhizal fungi. Yeah, root grow would help them establish um, much quicker, put in lots of organic material mm. that you dig into the soil, into the new planting holes. Did you understand right. about the root grow? Yeah. It's something that helps roses particularly because yes, of the I root have. system that Jeff was talking about. Yeah, well, I have seen that in the um, garden centre. Thanks ever so much, Ken. I appreciate it. Thanks, that, Jeff, as well. No, no Pleasure, problem. Jackie. Thank you. And we go to Braintree to talk to John. Hello, John. Um, hello, sir. What are um, we talking about today? Well, uh, mums, chrysanthemum mums. Yeah. I brought up half a dozen biggish ones and put them in pots. But I, I had some last year and I cut them down when they died off. Is that right, or is it best to leave them? Personally, John, I would leave them. Um, you know, although although the garden mums um, are hardier than the sort of standard traditional uh, disbud chrysanthemums, uh-huh. they're not a hundred percent bone hardy and reliable in severe winters so i would leave all the growth on uh, i mean you can tidy it up a bit you know if, if they've got lots of dead flower stems or, or fading oh, flowers yeah, i'll well, take the flowers off but I'd, last year i cut them right down at the base 
No, I, I do that. And they didn't leave... grow very well afterwards. No, I bet they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Too much of a shock. Uh, isn't it? You've already answered your own question there, John. Uh, yeah. No, the, the 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 main sort of hard pruning to get the new growth coming through is done in spring. Um, depends on on the weather and, and the winter, but normally sort of mid March onwards. Mm-hmm. That's okay. It. All right. Um, one more just quick question. Okay. I've got a couple of um. I've got a plum and a cherry tree. Well, no, they're not trees; they're more whips. Do they call them? Yeah, if yeah. they if they're young, so one or two year old. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're they're, they're not actually a tree; they're just a, sort of a, like a branch. Yeah. And I want they're in pots, and they're not doing any good. So I want to move them across the garden onto a wall, so I can put them on the, the terrace. If you know what I mean. Yes. So the rootstock is it. I can only get about five foot away from the conservatory. Will that make any difference? Well, it won't cause any problem with the conservatory. No, it won't. That's no, all cult rootstock. Yeah, cults, cults a dwarf, dwarfing yeah, rootstock. It's a good dwarf rootstock. Yeah, so no, no, it's not... hurt. no, 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 no problem hurt. at all. No problem at all. All right, okay. lovely. Thanks very much. Okay, it's John from Braintree. I was just going to pop in the email from Sally Adams. She says, can you tell me what this is, please? Don't know where it came from in my garden. Was sorting out weeding, etc., and thought I'd pop it into a pot. Is it a weed, but recently produced these lovely flowers? It's got a very open flower. Um, beautiful colour. It is a beautiful colour. It's sort of orangey-yellow yeah. with a reddish centre. Yeah. And it is? It is uh, just what we've been talking about. It's a chrysanthemum. So they are, Sally. Hope so, you heard. So definitely not a weed. Definitely worth hanging on to and keeping. And nurturing. Nurturing, yeah. Let's go to Christine. <laughs> We're talking fuchsias, aren't we, in Benfleet? Yeah, uh, yes, please, yes. Um, our fuchsia has, you know, more or less finished now. But I've noticed that it's got a lot of these sort of bumps coming. Um, it looks quite poor, poorly at well, where it is. I mean, the leaves are all still, you know, pretty good, right. but... But it's got all this lumpy, bumpy stuff on right. it. Right. So where are the lumpy, bumpy bits? <laughs> where are they on the plant? Are they on the buds or are they on the actual stems? Where are they? No, not on the stems. They're where the flowers would have been. So did the flowers form? Into... Or did the flowers? Yes, yeah, we had some good flowers in the summer, and uh, it's a flashlight. I think it, the one it is. It's a pale pink. Um, but now it's formed on lots and lots of the branches, more or less where the flowers Could have it, been. And are the lumpy bumpies <laughs> green or are they slightly different? Green. They're green. Yeah, lots and, of them. And at the tips? Tips of yeah. tip? Yes, yes, okay. that's where they are. Where mm. It looks like that's where the flowers were and they've, they've formed all these into these lumpy Could bumps. It, OK, it could be fuchsia, fuchsia gallmite. Fuchsia Yeah, which is um, fuchsia growers' scourge at the moment. Oh dear! It, it's a it's a tiny, tiny little mite that infects the plants uh, and causes them to grow irregularly. And then you often find they uh, you either get sort of orangey or usually red discoloration as well. Right. Um, I, I would cut them out. So. Right. I, as cut soon as all you, those out. Yeah, cut or, cut them all out completely and and dispose of them. Don't compost them. Give them to your council to dispose of for you. Right, right. Um, and if if that's what it is, which is what it sounds like, then that should hopefully keep it at bay. It keep might it not. It might, it might not completely control it. So I would keep an eye on your your futures from a, an early stage next year. 
right. to, to see whether the same thing develops. But I would definitely just cut them all out. So literally cut all the stems cut back as, as hard as you, you need to. And, and, that'll, uh, and that'll help the fuchsias anyway. Right. And in, and in fact, do that what, now. What do, in fact, because the RHS was suggesting that you should actually get rid of the plants. They are, they? Yeah, because they say there's no cure. <laughs> But oh in dear. fact, you can try using a spray on them in the spring as well, couldn't you? Uh, well, you could use Bug Clear Ultra, uh, which is a, an insecticide, which I think, although the RHS doesn't, and, and, and I think that's possibly a legal thing, um, I think it can help. So It's, it's not necessarily a cure, but it no. can help. Yeah, It could help in the spring. Yes. Right. Um, and also, just one other thing, um, peony leaves. Can can I cut them back now? Uh, are, going are, they, brown. are they all brown? Yeah, if, yeah, they're, brown. if they're brown, yeah, yep. you can take those right off to, to ground level. So, yeah, don't, don't sort of cut them halfway. Um, no. you know, follow them down to where they join. Right the way down to ground level. Yeah, and then you cut those off, but obviously watch out for the, the lovely thick buds that are going to give you your flowers and growth next year. And just again, very quickly, Pam from Stanway sent a picture very similar to the one that we've just discussed with Christine. And I hope that you've heard that advice that Jeff has just given, because that's what your picture implies. And I have several people who have sent me lovely pieces of fuchsia. fuchsia. And uh, with, I've with been out to gourmet. look at gardens yeah. with gourmet. I've, I've had quite a few this year yeah. as well. It's quite popular, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, not, not, with, not with growers. No, no. not with growers <laughs> at all. We go to Joyce in Colchester, and we're talking conifers, aren't we, Joyce? Yes, the bane of my life. Uh, now, last week you mentioned about cutting deep. Someone phoned in, yes, uh, they'd cut them, and you said it would be too deep and they won't live. It won't yes, come back. it won't come back. It was yeah. a problem on, I think we were talking, and we looked at, a, again, an email of a Lalandi hedge that had obviously been cut too tight in. If you go yeah. too yeah. deep in and you go back to wood, they will not regrow, and that was the discussion. Yeah, which well, is, I'm is sure sad. that's what I did at the beginning. <laughs> I've got there's four or five in, uh, along the fence, yes, and they very tall. Well, I've had the the um, tree surgeon in to cut them down and trim them, and right across the middle of them, it's all brown and dead. Now, what I want to ask you at the bottom, it's lovely and green for. Oh, six or seven feet along the fence. It's lovely. Now, if I have the, the surgeon in to come and cut them right down uh, to this and just leave this six or seven foot, it mean cutting through the trunk. Will they survive? Yeah. Uh, depends on what conifers they are. But the, the, are they Lalandi? Do you yes, know? Yes. yes. Yeah, they will. Yep. They um, will. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It sounds like, Jeff, what's happened there is that the you've trimmed it to six foot on a regular basis and above the six foot where you haven't been able to get to it, it's come out wider and then the yeah. tree surgeon has cut it at the same width. width. And therefore he's cut into wood because you said, no, it was oh, me, just... me who cut into the wood because ah, I found right. you once before and said the shade on the uh, me roses. Yeah. And that's what I've done. Oh, I, I know dear. it's my fault. OK. I cut right in and I did cut off uh, quite thick wood. Yes, the answer is yes, you can cut them down and okay. they'll regrow from the top and I, off you go. What I, what I would say, Joyce, is that. I would cut the trunk, uh, you know, the main upright trunk, 
slightly lower down than the height at which the green comes out. Uh So that when the conifers regrow, that cut stump... uh, Is below hedge height, isn't it? Yeah, is hidden. And you can then try and retrain the branches to give you a better shape over the next year or two. Uh-huh. Okay. R- right. Oh, thank you very much. Hope this works because they look awful. Yeah, I bet they do. <laughs> <laughs> they won't look very pretty at all. No, you can reduce the the height of conifers if it's uh, something like a yeah. and I, but it's the width, Trimming it's in. The width that's, that's, the that's the problem. Let's start with plant of the week. Nareens or Guernsey lily. They're natives of South Africa. Needless to say, they're from the Amaryllis family. And in the actual family, there's 20 to 30 actual species. They're a bulbous perennial. And the flowers are right now. They're spherical. uh, They're shaped. They're very prominent stamens. And they come in whites, pinks and even crimsons. Yep, that is Noreen Bodini. They're delicate six petals and often confused with the Jersey lily, which is Amaryllis belladonna. But no, not about that at the moment. Let's go on the Guernsey lily, which is Noreen Bodini. They're hardy unless we have a really, really hard winter. The leaves are strap-like and they don't appear, which is sometimes a little irritating because they don't appear until after the flowers have finished. They love well-drained soil They like rubbish soil, bricky, stony, they don't want shade and they don't want to have to compete with anything. Stick them up against the wall of the house and they just grow. Put them in gravel paths and they come up. I tell you what, it's absolutely fantastic. They give you a great show at this time of the year. If you're buying them to plant, leave the neck of the bulb well above the ground And just for interest, they actually can be grown from seed or chips. What do they suffer with? Well, not a lot. They actually occasionally get mealybug, and they can get a bulb virus, which causes stripes in the leaves. If you buy bulbs, it can take two years for them to actually flower. So be aware of that. Now, I did mention, didn't I, Jersey lily. Often these are both sold as nerines at this time of the year. The Jersey lily, Amaryllis belladonna, again, strap-like leaves, funnel-shaped flowers, much larger flowers than the other one, uh, but again, showy, crimsony sort of pinky colour at this time of the year and well worth growing. Grown exactly the same as the Amaryllis bodini. So they're two great flowers. They're grown uh, a lot in the Silly Isles. They're grown as a cut flower and they're very much used today as a cut flower. But I tell you what, not bright up, brighten up that autumn garden. So come on, go out and get some nerines and brighten up your garden. We go back to the phones now because uh, we still have a line free, but um, don't let that fool you. Let's go to yeah, don't be put off by... I'm saying we've got a fair few people. Well, what I'm saying is, yes, there's a line for you, and yes, we'll come to you. 0800 111 And don't wait till 5 to 12. No, a bit late. <laughs> Let's talk hedges with uh, Eve. Shall we, Eve? Oh, OK, and yes, there's, there's two hedges. One's mine and one is somebody else's. Right. Let's, should we start with yours, then? Yeah, well, that's a, uh, that's a euonymus. Mm-hmm. It's about uh, 30 inches high. 
Okay. And I want to chop it down to 15. Okay. Uh, yep. can, I, can I do it now, or do I have to wait till the spring? No, you could do it now. Okay, no, you, you can get away you, with you it can now. Bring you on us now. Yeah, that's all right, because then all the bugs, right, they'll, they'll get cold during the winter, otherwise they <laughs> shelter in there. Well, there you are, you see. Get rid of those bugs. That's So you can do that one right now. And what, what was your other hedge, and Eve? The other one is, um, is a beech hedge. Yes. That has uh, gradually over the years, I suppose, when it's been trimmed, it's been kind of what I laughingly say, stroked. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, there's not, it's, it's sad, but a lot of people don't know how to cut their hedges their properly. Hedges properly yeah. And particularly beech and hornbeam are ones that people just touch, whereas you can't just touch them. You've got to keep them in check. Anyway, so this one isn't in check, is it? Uh, it wants... Um, Surgery. Yeah, yeah, sort of. Some off the, off the top and the sides. Short, right. back, short back and sides. Short back and sides. But well, I, ideally, I, it should have been done earlier in the year. But no, you can do no, it no, now. No. You o- do it o- now. October's a good time to do it. Yeah. October's a good time. Yeah, okay. don't, but if you um, leave it any later... Um, the plant, because often we grow, growth, we grow hornbeam for its, its you know, its, its, leaf, it keep, it? Keeps its leaves on over winter. And if you do it too late, it tends to, to drop all its leaves. So, but October's a good time. Yeah, this is a beech one. Yep. It, wants, it wants probably to go back, uh, you know, either side. It probably wants to go back about near enough a foot. You won't hurt it at all. And, uh, and off the top. Uh, no. but, oh, I suppose that one, I'm not sure how much. A couple of feet. Come. Chop it down by a couple of feet, and then you can manage it. Always remember with hedges, you you want to cut them to a height that you can manage. Yeah. And that's really important. So so if you sort of go whack into it and do, yep. do the short back and sides on the bit, that's not going to hurt it too yeah, much. Yeah, out with, out with those lovely chompers and a pair of good secateurs, and you'll be away. OK, Ken, right, thanks very much. That's lovely. It's always people are afraid, aren't they, of cutting hedges too hard, aren't they? Yes, apart from the people that then come around and do your hedges for we, you, and and like we had with the Lalandi, with the Lalandi, they cut into the dead wood. Mm. So it, yeah, it, it's horses for courses. You've got it to know is. what you're doing. Now we want to know from Doug in Great Baddo whether you're making us a bottle of wine, Doug, with your grapes, are you? Yeah, I want you to put me in touch with someone that either makes wine or would like to have a go at making wine. I have a massive, massive amount of grapes. They're, they're not a flesh grape, they're juice. Uh, they're black, and they're just starting to drop. Oh. And I've had them for years. It's about 30 years old, this vine. It's a, it's a good year, actually. It's a good I year for cope grapes. With them. Sorry? It's a good year for grape. Every, uh, several gardens I've been to, they've got grapes yeah. hanging there. I always yeah. taste them. Some of them are vile, but yeah, some of them are right. quite sweet as well. Oh, they are. Very so you're sweet. trying to find someone that will take your grapes and wants to make wine. Yeah, and then give me a couple of bottles back. It depends how much grape you've got, whether you get a couple <laughs> oh. of bottles, because you don't oh, get much oh, out, of, a, do you, out of a bunch of grapes. There's a lot of bottles, yeah. Uh, that's a difficult one, isn't it? Right. Um, Can you take them to a vineyard, do you reckon? No, I don't, they I don't, can't because they won't mix it, will they? No. But you no, might. There are know. local. There are local wine groups, um, and even if you got that's in touch, I would have thought. If yeah. you, even if you got in touch with your local gardening club or horticultural society, um, uh, I'm sure somebody there would be would be interested in taking them off your hands. Mm. Someone phones in. Could you pass my number on to them? Of course, we will, Doug. That's what we're right, here for. Okay. Can yep. I just do another quick one? Yes, Doug. Right. I've got a young plum tree. I say uh-huh. young, probably twenty years. Um, it has masses of flower, and it produces fruit, but a lot of them go flat and die. Do you know why? 
Sounds like that might be a, a virus disease called yeah. plum pocket. And um, the cure for that is? Oh, uh, there isn't There re- isn't one. There is isn't there? one, really. Uh, oh. <laughs> Chop the tree down. But yes, basically. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, sometimes it grows out of it, um, but sometimes it doesn't. It produces some. Yeah. Uh, they're quite small at the moment. It's Victoria. Um, but they go flat and die. To be honest, if you've got if your Victoria plum is producing at this time of year small pl- plums, and those are the only ones that are edible, I, 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 personally, I wouldn't worry. I, I, well, personally, I wouldn't bother. No. <laughs> I'd, I'd take the tree out and replace it with a new one because you'll get you'll get rid of those problems and you'll get some good fruit. Right. Is the, is the disease or whatever it is in the soil? If I put another tree back in the same place, would I? The, vi- the virus is in the tree itself. Yeah, no, isn't you it? should be fine. I mean, obviously, when you dig the tree, uh, dig the existing tree out, you know, improve the soil thoroughly, improve the soil, put in loads and loads of organic matter right. uh, to get the new tree off to a good start, and it shouldn't be any problems at all. But this one's never going to make it. I it's would, not going to improve. I, I let's would say, say that. yeah, it's only ever going to get worse. Okay, thanks very much indeed. And uh, I hope somebody wants to make some wine. Yes. So do we. We're looking forward to our cut as well. Yes, we want at least a bottle. Doug from Grape Baddow would like to pass his grapes on to somebody who would like to make wine with them. Now, that's uh, a fair offer. Give us a call now, 0800 111 and we'll pass it on. John, you're not up for making wine, are you, John? I used to years ago, but now I may be constantly on drinking it. <laughs> what was that? Concentrate on what? Drinking it. Concentrate on drinking it now. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, right, it. yes, right. I'm, I'm exactly the same, yeah. John. How As can you we... get older, you get lazy. <laughs> John in Holland on Sea, how can we help you now then? I want to know how to grow gardenias. Gardenias? Yeah. Right. <laughs> there are, do, do, you re- do you really with... want to, John? Oh, dear. They're what a pain. They're, they're well, not, yeah, they're a yeah, pain not, in the neck. They're not easy. Um, are you trying to grow one outdoor or indoor? Whichever you suggest. Neither. Um, <laughs> the outdoor <laughs> is no. Mentioned. The outdoor, you got will at least grow, won't it? Yeah, Claire. There's a the, there's a hardier variety. Basically, gardenias are indoor house plants. But a few years ago, somebody bred a. In inverted commas, hardy one called Climbs Hardy. Let's say it's hardier, isn't it? Yeah, it's, hardier. it's not hardy, is it? Which is is suitable for growing outside and is a lot easier to grow than the house plant. Difficult well, still to get into flower. Yeah. Like yeah. all gardenias. Yeah, needs, um, a, needs a warm, sunny position, has to have an acidic soil and has to be watered with lime-free water, so it's probably best grown in a container if you're on um, clay or chalky or alkaline soil. But unfortunately, when you grow plants in containers, it means that the roots are more susceptible to frost damage, so it would mean that you would probably have to bring the pot into a conservatory or greenhouse over winter. All right. And the indoor ones uh, are impossible. What, you, whenever you go to a garden centre, you will never find a gardenia in a garden centre that's not in flower. Simply oh, because right. they can give, you know, the nurseries can give exactly the right temperature and light conditions to get them to flower. When you get them home, the likelihood is that you can't. So you, it will flower when, for you when, you, when, you, when you buy it. It will drop some buds. Probably drop some buds. It'll probably the leaves will go yellow and then you'll never, ever get it to flower again. We're doing the houseplant industry a lot of harm today, John, but we're actually being honest that they are... I mean, they're one of the... You know, there's a few plants that are difficult to grow as an indoor plant, and gardenia is one. 
All right. I would. I would. I would. I'd uh, try the outdoor one. Uh, yeah, or or try and <laughs> try and grow something else. That's a lot easier. Yeah. Why, uh, to John? Let's just quickly ask you: Why do you want to grow gardenia? Is it just because you look at them and you think, "Oh, aren't they lovely? They perfume and etc." That's right. They oh, are. You've heard them? You got heard? Well, that's when you're old enough. There was a song about gardenias, wasn't that? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we're not, that, that, we're not that old, John. No, I can't I mean, remember I mean, that Ken's one. Ken's only you, 25. You don't deserve it. So you reckon I should grow roses? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. OK, yeah. thanks for your advice. Or, well, at least... or, or if you're going to have a go, John, have a go and tell and see how you get on and give us a report back. That would be lovely okay. to know. Will I be able to buy a plant in the, green, uh, in the nursery today or they'll have to get it in special, will they? No, at certain times of the year they will be selling them. Where are you, Holland on the Sea? Where do you go normally round your way? Oh, I've got about half a dozen. Oh well, give a give, sit give there a, and ring them up. Ring give them a up. Ring, ask them if they've got any gardenias. Okay, thanks for your help. And let us know, John, how you get on. Now that was a very honest answer. We both said the same thing, which is sometimes unusual. But Stephen <laughs> Gray's, we're talking about trees, aren't we? Yeah. What yeah. tree? What's the uh, tree? Well, just trying to. Uh, get uh, advice from you I want to grow a small tree okay uh, in the garden my garden's about 70 by 30 and I want to plant it in the middle of the garden to give me natural sunshade on the patio 70 by 30 so you need quite a high stem yeah to give clearance don't you yeah, I'd, I'd like to... It's not a, a massive a garden, is it? 70 by no, 30, but, you but you've got enough room to put a good-sized tree in, haven't yeah. you, there? Yeah, yeah. I'd, be, yeah. I'd, I'd probably be looking at something like uh, a crab apple, so something like Malus Royalty, which is right. a lovely um, purple-leafed uh, crab apple, which has the flowers, the leaves, and the crab apple fruits during the winter months. If you want the fruit, you can put John Downey. If you want to do crab apple jelly... Yeah. Right. Um, one of my favourite uh, large shrubs, small trees, depending on how it's been trained, is something called Amelanchia. Do you know, I knew he was going to say Amelanchia Lamarckii. Uh, but when you buy your Amelanchia, uh, you need to check with the garden centre or the nursery that it is, it's basically a single-stemmed version that you right. can then train into a tree rather than a multi-stemmed version, which will then turn itself more into a shrub. Oh, right. And yeah. that, that gives you flower in the spring, doesn't it? And then it's a well, good, it give, good it, it, give, it gives you bronze young foliage. It gives you flower. Fabu fabulous autumn tints. It gives you flowers in April. And it gives you red edible fruits. I was going to say, you can eat them. They're oh. good for you, actually. They're quite good for you. They're small, but they're good for you. Well, if, you're, if, you're, if you ever meet a Canadian, at every single meal that every Canadian eats, they have something called Saskatoons. It's a little oh. red fruit, and that comes from Amelanchia. So oh. you'll be you'll be very popular with any Canadians in your in your area. <laughs> uh, what about? I was thinking of an Acer. Is there any Acer? Well, the, they're going to be big, aren't the they? The issue that you have with Acers is that you either have the tree Acers, which basically are big trees. Right. Or you have the Japanese maples, which are generally more regarded as being Shrubs. shrubby. Or if right. you're going to try and get a tree uh, out of because they're slow growing, you're probably talking of having to spend about two hundred quid to buy one. Oh right. So That's fair I, I would I would say maples are, are, are not really suitable for that sort of situation. Um, the, the only one, one that I've ever used. Sorry, the only a. The what height will they be? 
the ones that you suggested. You need to see that they are... I mean, you need to go to a garden centre or good re- good retail nursery and just check that you're getting sufficient height because a lot of trees today are actually grown with a graft or whatever at yeah. quite a low level, aren't they, or, Jeff? Or do you mean how high it's going to grow to? Yeah, because I, I, what... So, I, yeah, the height... OK, well, the, the, Am- the Amalankia is uh, probably going to get up to about 12 feet... Um, and the crab apples are going to be 15, 16, 17. Oh, lovely. Not too big then. Nope. The only, and the only acer that I would consider, see what Jeff says, is acer brilliantissima, which forms a round-headed yeah, acer. It's one of the smaller growers, isn't it? It is, but it looks so manky. I, it's not my favourite tree. <laughs> he well, doesn't like them. I do. They're one of my favourites. When the, when the new growth comes out, it looks manky. And then no, when, the, nice. when, when you've got the green leaves on, it looks manky again. It's not one of my favourite trees. I don't think he likes it, do you, Steve? <laughs> it's a manky t- It's a manky no, tree, it's not. Steve. One of my favourites, Steve. Have a look at it. <laughs> I'll leave you two to Yeah, we'll have a fight. We'll have an argument. You Thank you, Steve, for your question. Back to gardening questions in a moment. But now on the BBC Essex Gardening Podcast, we're going to ha- give you some top tips on things you could be getting on with. Well, in fact, Jeff Hodges is going to give us some top tips, aren't you, Jeff? I'm going to have a go, yes. And I'm, I'm looking a little bit forward to possibly uh, a harsh winter, horrible cold now weather. You're not, no, you're not going to predict a of harsh winter. Of course I'm winter. not. You you're know, scared you, to, aren't you? You know my, uh, my history on this. No, I'm not, Never not making again. any predictions ever again. But although, it could be. Although the person that I used to listen to has already predicted one of the worst winters for 30 years. But anyway. We'll wait and see. So there are plants that we keep in our gardens that are borderline hardy. You know, even the, the hardy fuchsias aren't, the penstemons. We've got things like formiums and cordylines. So just keep an eye on them, and it's better to be safe than to be sorry. So one thing that you can do is that the roots are very susceptible on these plants to cold damage. So if you mulch the soil, put a nice thick mulch uh, usually about three or four inches. I was going to say, we are talking high mulch, aren't yep. we, here? To try and prevent the frost from penetrating into the soil, then that will protect the roots, which is very important. Um, those plants, again, like fuchsias and penstemons, that, you know, the stems die down. Don't be tempted to cut the stems down. Leave those in place. Uh, and then come the spring, as new growth starts, that's when you would cut those back. The stems, they don't actually protect the plant, but if you prune them back now and then they get frost in them, then and they'll die back even further. And then thirdly, probably the most important, always have some horticultural fleece to hand. In the shed or the greenhouse, really. Yeah, or by your back door, you know, in, in, inside the back door. And, and when some really cold weather is forecast, you can just literally run out, ideally support it above the plants on some bamboo canes or something similar, and, and literally just throw it over the plants, because that will give... Um, even the, the summer fleece, because there's two grades. Mm, the summer right. fleece will give about five degrees centigrade of cold and frost protection. So it's, it's worth doing that and obviously keep winds off as well. Just a reminder, though, polythene does not do the same trick. Polythene does not. And polythene can cause sweating, which can lead to rotting. So, so it's worth remembering that. Horticultural fleece. And it is horticultural fleece, not fleece jackets. Horticultural <laughs> fleece. fleece. And um, it, you could then cover with bubble wrap on, on really severe uh, weather. But outside uh, the fleece. Yeah. 
Um, but, you know, remove that at the first possible chance. Don't put it on and leave it on all winter because that Horrible. really leads to sweating. So that's thinking about um, winter. Winter, And if we think back a little bit to summer, I think lots of us have still got lots of tomatoes that haven't quite ripened yet. Mine are still sitting on the tomato plants, actually. Exactly. Ripening on their own. Exactly. So the one thing that you can do is that you can just dig the plants up or, or cut the stems down. And if you have a greenhouse, hang mm. them upside down in the greenhouse. Um, or if you've got a room inside that you can hang the plants upside down, do that. Or, not as good, but a shed or a garage, hanging the plants upside down, they might still ripen on the vine. Um, Otherwise, you can harvest them, bring them indoors, put them on a sunny windowsill, or the old trick of putting them somewhere dark with a banana, Mm. because banana gives off... Uh, as it ripens, the ethylene gas, which is the ripening gas. Um, And that way, you should hopefully get lots of your tomatoes ripened. If not, it's out with the green tomato chutney recipes. Thanks very much, Jeff. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Christine in Burnham. Hello, Christine. Hello there, Ken, Jeff. Yeah, um, oh, just before um, I talk about tomatoes, that yeah. lady that had fuchsia gallmite. Yes. One of fuchsias. I had that last year and I just cut it all, cut all the uh, infected bits off and put it in the dustbin. Yeah. Yep. And anyway, this year they came back fine. Good. So I know there's been you know, a suggestion you should remove the plant and, you know, take the whole thing up, but mine have come back fine. And it's been all right this year. So if that lady just cuts all the infected stuff down and puts it in the dustbin, and they should come back okay next year, hopefully anyway. It's very difficult because you get advice from who you think are sort of uh, one of the experts, like the RHS, and uh, we were all giving that advice earlier on in the year, but people have found just what Jeff was saying and just what you found, so it's good. Yeah, Great. Yeah. Good. What, what can we do right. with your uh, tomatoes? A question about tomatoes, Ken, because normally um, by this time I lose my tomatoes with blight previous years, but this year they've been oh. absolutely brilliant. I've had pounds of tomatoes this year. Not a lot of blight still, about, is there? Still Doesn't ripening. It? They're still ripening, albeit oh. slowly, on the vines, and there's still, still a few green ones. I wondered at what point should I really go and pick them all? What you should do, Christine, is listen to the podcast. Yes. The, the, the oh, I don't have... I, I'm not so advanced. I'm not that technical. Oh, <laughs> we'll let you off then this time. Christine. I, I just listen to your dulcet tones on a Saturday, see? It's nice that you're listening. <laughs> we think, need people to listen as well. Because that's, that's one of the subjects that I cover in the tips on, on what to do with your tomatoes at this time of year. So are these outdoor plants or indoor plants? They're out, no, they're outdoors. Okay, what I would do is uh, I I wouldn't take the risk of leaving them outside anymore. So I would cut the stems down to ground level. If you've got a greenhouse, then you can hang them upside down in the greenhouse. Mm. No, I haven't got a greenhouse. I've got a conservatory, but that wouldn't be very convenient to hang them in the conservatory. Okay, then try hanging them upside down in a shed or a garage. Right. And if you can't do that, then pick them... And make green chutney. Put them on a... I've already made chutney. I've done done red tomato chutney. I've made pasta sauce. I've had loads. I've given tomatoes away. I've had masses of tomatoes. They've been brilliant. They were money makers. You can try and and ripen them on a sunny windowsill, or you can put them in a a drawer or a cupboard with a banana, uh, or even a banana skin, and the banana will give off ethylene, which is the ripening gas. Now, Christine, there's some good tips for you there. And just briefly, we don't know the answer. I'm going to just mention John McClellan because he sent us this um, 
picture of a tomato. Which, well, tomato plants. Tomato plants. And one was uh, Gardener's Delight, and he's got other tomatoes growing next to it. And the Gardener's Delight has just produced masses and masses of flour. Yeah. I said earlier on in the season, be patient, because the temperatures were strange. We had night temperatures and um, diverse temperatures. Yeah. And he's shown us a picture and nothing has happened at all. It's unusual, isn't it? Very unusual. And from the photo, I, I can't work out what's happened at all because, you know, they, they're more or less self-pollinating the flowers of, of tomatoes. So, they, so really, they our, our, our advice is what he suggests is that he writes back to the company where he bought the seed, send a picture and say, got any ideas? Yeah. And, John, can you let us know? Because we'd be interested to know what the seed company said. And you've gone to a reputable seed company, so there should be no should problem. Should be no problem at all. Yeah. And keep us in touch. Thank you very much. And go to Jordan from Braintree here on BBC Essex. We're talking grass. Is that right, Jordan? Um, kind of. Um, so where I live at the moment, uh, my garden's all gravel. Um, I'm not allowed to change that, but I want to know what I can do to brighten it up. So obviously I can't dig down into it to plant anything. Um, and I don't have a green thumb or anything, so I haven't got a clue. But I want to know what I can do to add some colour to it. It's a gravel garden? Yes. And why can't you dig down into it? Landlord won't let me, so they want the gravel left there and not okay. touched and things like that, so... All right. Well, then you're going to Plantas, have to you're going it? to have to rely on growing things in pots, mm-hmm. pla- placed on on the gravel. See that the uh, pot. See that the pot is not too small. Yeah. Um, you want about well, I'm going to 30 centimeters. Twelve inches, thirty centimeters. Yeah, thirty centimeters, yeah. nothing less. Preferably a, bit, a little bit bigger. And I tell you what, in the garden centre at the moment, there's some great looking planted pots at this time of the year that will take you right through winter with lots of. Lots winter bedding yeah brilliant and then you plant them up again in the spring and you plant and you, them up again in the spring and 99.999 percent of all plants will grow in containers so it, it, it doesn't restrict what you can and what you can't grow you can grow whatever you like basically Fruit, veg veg flowers, trees shrubs just what you like brilliant thank you does that help you that does indeed, thank if, you. It also means that when, if and when you move, you take, you take you. them all with you. And so your landlord, who's obviously been a bit arsy, if I can use that word, you, it, won't, you ben- won't benefit from your plants. <laughs> exactly, there indeed. <laughs> OK, John. <laughs> thank you. Let us know how you get on, because we're always interested to know what you went out and bought or purchased. We go to Lynn in Peckham across the river, is that right, Lynn? Yes, good morning. I'm glad you listened to a good Essex show. Oh, it's brilliant, brilliant. I came across it, oh, a couple months ago, and I just listened to you all the time. Good one. Right, what can we do for you? You're going to think, like, silly question. Oh, good, we like silly questions. (laughs) I've got wisteria, Uh and I notice I've got two seed pods on there. Now, I'm interested in trying to get the seeds. But what do I do? Do I leave the seed pods on there and wait for it to open up or take it off? I, I've got no idea whatsoever. Lynn, do you, re- do you really want to bother? Well, why not? I'll tell, well, I know what well, Jeff's going to tell you why. He's going to tell you why not, because it could take well, in excess of 10 years to even get a flower, and you oh, won't get a flower it. that's true to the one that you've got. Oh, right. So it's just a waste Wister- of time. Wisteria from seed can take 10, 12, 15, 20 years He's to, to reach bit, but... flowering size. And when they flower, rather than being those lovely, beautiful, long purple racemes, yeah. they can be short, stubby, horrible brown things. So, oh. to be perfectly honest, 
it ain't worth bothering with unless you're unless it's you know you're interested and and if you are interested in trying then you should allow the seed pods to ripen and develop on the plant all right i'll 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 leave it anyway but i'm not gonna waste 10 12 years (laughs) people sometimes (laughs) grow no people sometimes grow them lynn for fun and you know yes you know it's well, nice it to grow things. Well, it's a bit from like it's a bit like growing lemons from yes. from pips. Again, yeah. you're, you're going to have to wait ten, twelve. Yeah. Years. And you might and, never get and a you, lemon. And you may never get a lemon off it. So. Oh, I didn't realise that. Is, is that the same for most? Um, no, no, not, not all no. plants. But wisteria is is one of those that, to be perfectly honest, unless you've got the patience of a saint, uh, and you're not worried about disappointment at the end, it's not worth having a go at. Okay, I'm going to move on to Maureen from Felstead. Hello, Maureen. Hello. Um, I've got a plant that looks, the leaves look like a gladioli. But I know it's not a gladioli. But the first time this year, um, it's got great big seed pods on and they're, it's, they're absolutely full of bright red berries. What is it? And do I need to take the seed pods off? Okay, it sounds, sounds like, like uh, and I mean, without seeing it, it are the uh, berries singular on the stem or in clusters? No, they're in a seed pod. Se- oh, in a se- sorry, I, I think you. I think you've got something called an iris, which is iris yeah. fetidissima. Yes, that's what I think. Um, oh yes, it could, it could look does look a bit like an iris leaf. Yeah. Yes, they're not exciting, are they? Well, they they look quite nice, but mm. um, they again, have an orange flower, don't they? Do they? No, it's not. They're not no. Iris fetidissima doesn't no. have a, uh, Does it have a blue flower? Yeah. 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 Okay, it's by some other uh, orange things. So, but what I was going to ask as well, I found out what it is. Um, do Is it best to leave the seeds on? Or is it best to pick them and let them go ripe and then scatter them? Or, or what? Well, they can look quite attractive, so you could leave them on. Do you want to have plants all over the garden? No. Well, oh yes. Well, well, if you do, if you if you want to have lots more plants, scatter, way, scatter the seeds. Yes. If you if you don't want more plants, if you don't think they look attractive, take them off. You're the choice. The choice is yours, Maureen. The sky's right, the limit. I just leave them to go brown. Or uh, scatter them now. Uh, no, I would wait until they they naturally are Lighten. about to drop. Yes. Yes. They need to. All seeds need to mature on the plant, otherwise they're not viable. Yes. Why is it that it's never done this for 15 years and done it this year? Well, yeah. Like, it like the weather. Yeah, weather, age. Some plants sometimes take a few years to get, you know, into... into you may be growing it slightly differently. You know, you may have deadheaded in the past rather than allowed the seed pod to form. Plant, you know, plants are like people. They're weird. <laughs> OK, then. Well, what I'm going to do, I'm going to wait for it to ripen, then I'll scatter the seeds... And then if anything comes up, I'll let you know. Please do, yes. And when you've got a forest of irises growing in your garden, don't blame us. <laughs> we go to Chelmsford now, just up the road with Alan, don't we, Alan? Good morning, gentlemen. Oh, afternoon. No, not quite afternoon. Good morning still. It is still morning. What are we talking? Hedges? Yes. yes. Uh, I've got a pyrocanthus hedge, which uh, my wife would not let me trim cut down the kid to a certain length. Um, it's, she's now deceased, so I can do what I want with it. Um, but it's about six foot tall and about 
three, two or three foot wide. Can I prune that harshly or not? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can you can if you want to if you if you want to take it down to three foot high and two foot wide, providing uh, it's not so essential that you keep you know leaves on as it is with conifers, but ideally don't cut it back so hard that you're going into very old brown wood. Well, it's quite quite an old old hedge. I mean, um, about twenty five years old. Okay. Well, all I'm saying is, if you cut it down to say two foot, and all you were left with was a stump, rather than it might struggle to yeah, it will struggle to regrow from a stump. Whereas if you leave several reasonable branches above, uh, above, you will get it to regrow. Regrowth, and you can do that now. Right Um, now, I I tend to do most of my formative hedge pruning on pyracantha after it's finished flowering. But as you're trying to do a sort of a a rejuvenation job, you can do it now. Okay. Yeah, the thing is, it's just it's too high for me to easily yeah. uh, trim the top. Yeah, if you want to take two foot off, three foot off, one it's, foot off. It's interesting, it's what I was saying earlier. People always want hedges higher than manageable height. Yeah. Which is not always sensible, is it? Uh, let's go to Maria in Grays. What plant are we talking about, Maria? Um, if I can now, uh, pronounce this properly, it's, I think, a dracaena. 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 Oh, Dracaena. Right. Um, my daughter bought me one of these about three, four weeks ago, and uh, it's got two very, very thick uh, stems, and uh, there's, uh, you know, shoots coming off it. Yep, yep. Now, apparently, this is supposed to grow very, very high. So how high does it grow, and what do I do with it? Because it's got... A load of offshoots coming off it. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, Dracaenas um, are palms, so um, uh, they are a tree. They will, if you see Dracaenas in the wilds, they can easily in the wild grow up to about twenty foot in the oh, house. It, in the house, yeah. it's not going to grow that high, and it's not going to grow that quickly. They are reasonably slow growing. So, first of all, don't worry about it. Just leave well alone, allow it to grow. When it does eventually, which may be five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years' time, reach the top of your ceiling, give us a ring back and we'll tell you how to deal with it then. How about that? All right. Um, I've got another question. You spoke about lemon. Somebody did earlier. Yes. What would and, you like uh, to know? Yeah, I'm growing a lemon tree and I don't know what to do with it because it's only got, like, uh, pictures on the back like a do's and don'ts. Right, when, when did you buy the lemon? Is it this year you've had it? Yeah, I've only had it a few months. OK, so, Jeff, a quick sort of round-up okay, on so lemons. OK, so you need to keep it in the house. I did, but citrus aren't very good as house plants unless you've got a conservatory because they need lots of good light, which you can't generally get in the rest of the house. So ideally put it in a conservatory, if not put it really close to a non-south-facing window. Don't overwater it, don't feed it. You start watering and feeding in the spring and don't allow it to get too hot or too cold. Back to your calls, texts and email, Shirley. But let's take a final look at the top tips that Jeff has for us this week. Well, um, personally, I've been having loads and loads of uh, questions coming to me about what to do with my begonias over winter. 
because everybody's been growing begonias this year. They've looked absolutely fabulous. It's been a good year for them, hasn't Very it? Very good year. Um, and then, of course, they think, well, you know, the ones that form the tubers, the tuberous ones, you know, can I keep them going from year to year? And, of course, you can. You know, they're not cold or, or frost-hardy. So, basically, what you need to start thinking about now is as the leaves start to yellow, which is a sign that the plants are beginning to die back, stop watering, stop any feeding, and literally allow the plants to go completely dormant and for the stems and the leaves to go yellow. Um, Once they're completely yellow, they might completely fall off of their own accord, or your other option is to just wiggle the stems back and forth until they naturally snap off. Don't don't force them off, because you could cause damage to the tuber. And then it's just a matter of lifting the tuber... Um, taking off any loose soil or any loose compost and then storing them somewhere frost-free over the winter months. Because they're dormant, they don't need light, so you don't need a greenhouse, you know, a shed, garage, cool room, wherever you can. But obviously it needs to be frost-free. You can either store them in slightly damp sand, and that means that you you literally sort of almost like you're planting them so you would space them in a in a tray of damp sand concave side upwards because that's the way you need to store them um or what i do is that i put them in tights or tights. stockings or nets i'm not going to ask where the tights or stockings come from uh, well it's a very famous store <laughs> renowned for its stockings and tights um and then I put one tuber in, I tie a knot, then another tuber, tie a knot, etc., etc., going all the way up the, the stocking. And that the way tank. no rot will pass from one to t'other. If one it? does rot, then you, it's a lot easier for you to remove it and keep all the others safe. Um, and you need to keep those dry. The damp sand, you, you need to sort of just keep slightly damp all the time. But the most important thing is over the winter, keep checking. Because if they do dry out, you might need to plump them up by just misting them with water and of course if as we've said if they start rotting then you need to get them out um, and then you're all ready then to replant them in the spring next year to, for another fabulous display this year and hopefully they will be indeed and then of course the other quick thing is you know autumn what happens with the trees all their leaves they drop stop. the blooming leaves they, do, and they don't go they? white mess don't they well sometimes <laughs> they, you know if it's a tree that's got good autumn color oh yes it can ha- it can look quite nice sitting under the tree for a while but yes then it goes mushy and horrible and you it's, really need to get them off lawns don't you get them off lawns you need to get them off paths because they are slippery and a mm. trip hazard um, and you know if you've got any sort of little delicate plants that they are covering you need to get them off that so rake them up or if you've got a um, you know a garden vac suck them up or if they're on the lawn, you can just run the lawnmower over them, which is a great way of getting rid of them, uh, on a high setting on the lawnmower. And then ideally, make your own leaf mould. So get them all into a, back, a black past. A- black back. plastic sack. That's the one. If they are a bit dry, just damp them down a bit. Tie the tie a knot in the sack, make a few holes in it, and chuck it somewhere that you're not going to see all about it, it for a year. In a year's time, you'll have lovely stuff that's brilliant for planting, for mulching, for soil improvement. Brilliant. Soil improver free. Indeed. Let's now go back to the phones. And where should we go? I'll tell you where we're going. We're going to go to... I can't actually read that one, actually. But it's Chris who's talking to us. I can't... Is it Beaumont? Where are you from, Chris? Beaumont come those. Right, it's just cutting it out on on the screen a bit. So Bowman okay. Commo, where's that then? I'd, I've not heard of that. It's on the road between Clacton and Harwich. Oh well, they are. You see, you learn something every day here at BBC Essex. How can we help you anyway? Well, I've got this really old rose, and um, it's 
been on the wall. It's a north-facing wall, and uh, it's got lovely yellow single flowers like saucers, and it flowers continuously. It's still going now. Now, I've been here for 39 years, and it was here then. I suspect it was planted in the 60s by a keen gardener who lived here. The problem is that its growth's all top-heavy. There's a lovely show from the bedroom windows, but it can't be appreciated from ground level. Now, if it were cut back, would it break further down, or would I risk killing it altogether? Uh, Chris, presumably it's, it looks quite strong and healthy otherwise? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Then no. Uh, uh, you can. You can. You can. It's got some dead. It's got some dead branches which need cutting off. Mm. But, sure. You know. Um, how many? Yeah. How many stems have you got at the bottom of the rose? Just one. Just one single stem. It's not very thick either. No. Um, you, you could. You could cut risk. back. Um, you know, reduce the height of the stems, uh, and and ideally train them in into a sort of a horizontal or a fan shape. Those that are left, um, but that would be no problem at all. So would you, but you wouldn't cut. Of... You wouldn't cut into the one single stem. Oh, God, no. No, 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 no. That's what. I, no, I, I didn't know. Is that what you were actually asking? No, no. I, I wanted to know if I did reduce the top yes. growth. Yes. No, that's fine. It might, would no. it maybe if... produce another stem lower down? It might. It might it not. Should, it should do. It because it will push the energy into the bottom of the rows. Yeah. Right. Does okay, work, so and in fact, not enough people do this to roses. They just let them do. I'm, I, I'm being critical of what you've allowed, but and the previous <laughs> people. But in fact, yeah. people do leave plants like that to just grow and grow and grow. Whereas actually, if you sort them out on an annual basis, prune them annually, you yeah. get a much better response. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. I'll give it a try. Yes, I'll let you know how I get on. Be good to hear. Thank you very much indeed. And we go to Teresa in Corringham, talking lavenders, Teresa. That's right. I um. Oh, good morning, by the way. I planted some mun- munstead seeds um, a little earlier, well, a little while ago. I put them in uh, like a trough and some in a flower pot. Now, they've grown really, really well, to my surprise. I just don't know what to do with them now and where to keep them over winter. Um, what facilities do you have, Teresa? All I've got is um, a, sh- a wooden shed, and I've also got a metal shed. I've got nothing sort of greenhouse-wise. Okay, I would leave them as they are for now. Right. I would leave them in their pots as they are now. I would move those pots up against a south-facing wall for the winter to ideally give them some shelter, and yeah. I would have some horticultural fleece handy for whenever temperatures drop to just above freezing and below and cover them over when that happens. Well, I haven't transplanted them. They're, in, they're exactly where they were when that's I... Right. That's, yeah, that's fine. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, move those, oh, pot, right. move those pots into that protected area. Then in spring, you can then pot them up individually and then grow them on individually. Um, and then it, a bit later, once they've um, grown on, you can then plant them out in the garden. Oh, that's great. Lovely. Thank you very much. No problem. Pleasure. That's Teresa from Corringham. And um, had an email here that says, what plant is this again? Again? Yes, it's because I didn't get to answer it. Emails are a struggle to always get through. 
It's that picture that I did show you that I oh, called okay. an allium because sometimes when you go to shows, it's actually often on the allium stand, isn't it? And it used to be an, an allium. A- and it is not an allium anymore, is it? Uh, no, it's been renamed. And for those people that can't see the photo, um, it's it's used to be an allium, but it has pendant flowers. Pen- so the, the botanists have decided that it's no longer an allium and it's actually called Nectroscordum. Nectroscordum sicilium. And they're actually little... Trumpet-like flowers. Pendant. Pendant, facing down. Yeah. Very attractive, this one, which is a pinky colour with a white edge. It's lovely. It. Very, I, I very love, I love Nectroscordum. So they are May and Brian. Got it? What was it again? Nectroscordum. Nectroscordum. We're going to go back to the phones now, and we will talk to Joan across the border in, well, a couple of borders. Norfolk, nice to listen to you. How can we help you, Joan? Oh, hello there. Um as you know, I'm Joan, and I just wanted to say my son came down yesterday with my daughter-in-law, Heather, and she was telling me about your programme, and I've been listening to it today, and we've really thoroughly enjoyed it, and I know Heather's listening, so I just wanted you to thank her for me for telling me about your programme. So, Joan, you're up, you're up in Setford area, are you? And my daughter-in-law in Billericay. Right, so you're going to keep listening in Norfolk, can't you? Definitely, definitely, yes. That's and I the... shall pass your lovely programme on to all my friends and family. And if any of them want to have got a listen on uh, on the BBC Sounds app, if they're into the Sounds app, they can pick up the programme on that as well. Yes, all right. Thank you so much. Thank okay. you. Well, thank you, Joan. Yes. Right, thank you. Thank you. That's very nice to hear from and the, Joan. And, 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 the fi- and the five pounds in the post to the daughter. <laughs> if you'd like to get a call in, we can... We can fit in. We'll, we'll fit another call or so in, can't we? We've got yes. five minutes. Yeah, 0800 111 I know it's Jeff said don't ring at the end of the programme, but yes, we'll fit you in if we can. 0800 111 Let's go to Rita from West Mersey. What would you like to know, Rita? Good morning. Yes, I've grown some orchids. This is the third year, and I've been so successful with them. One of them's got 20 blooms on. Ooh, get you show there. off. <laughs> but they're all white. No, they weren't white to start with. Is this an actual thing that they go back to white? What colour were they? Um, one was yellow and one was like um, cerise. I wondered if they'd been, um, you know, had dye put in or something and that's why they've gone back to white. Uh, so the <laughs> the, these are the same, these are the same plants... Oh yes, yes. So they're not 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 plants that you've grown from seed from the original no, plants. No. They're the same plants. They're all they're all plants that I've had as presents for birthday or Mother's Day, and I've kept them. And I've, I'm lucky. I've got a lovely window to the north that suits them down to the ground, and they're beautiful. But as I say, they've all they're all white at the moment. <laughs> They don't. It's one of the plants they don't die, do they? Well, I mean, no, they some, do. Some, some, they, do you they think do. these would die? No, one? I don't. I don't. I mean, some, there are sometimes. Bleaching? Well, it's a north facing. I was going to say bleaching, you but get it's, bleaching on, it's north, on a north face. You? Oh, Rita, you've you've caused a kerfuffle. <laughs> Cause, cause we... But they're beautiful in the middle. They've got little yellow um, st- uh, middles with little dots all round. They're so pretty. Um, I did. But I've, Sorry, I've got a blue one that I was given uh, Mother's Day, and I'm wondering if that's going to go the same. But it's only got its shoot coming at the moment, so I don't know. Blue ones, blue ones are often, often dyed. Are often yes. dyed. Yes, I thought so. Because when I cut one of the leaves off, there was colour come out. 
Can you um can you send um Ken a photo? Can you? Um, uh, yes, I'll try. I'm not very good at it, but I'll have a go. <laughs> have a go, and we'd love to see them. If not, uh, yeah. my my advice is enjoy the white orchids with the little yeah. nice centres. Ken Crowther at bbc.co.uk. Right. If you can email thank it you. to him. Okay, thank you, Rita. That's really lovely. We go now to Liz. No, no, we don't. We go to Barbara from Wickford. Hello, Barbara. Hi, hi. Um, I'm regarding the Nexus Golden. Well, yes, yes. That um, was sent in. Yes. And you've identified it. Yes. How did it appear? If if it's um, an allium or um, the bulb, isn't it? Yeah, but I never put it in. Seeds, seeds dropped by birds, probably. If you if you didn't it's at plant, the back of a border, if you didn't plant it. it, yeah. Yeah, it's at the back in an undisturbed ground. So that's why. With a bit of luck, it should reappear each year. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's totally perennial. It's as perennial as um, any of the proper alliums. So yeah, it'll go on from year to year to year. Thank you for your email and pictures. We don't always get to answer them straight away because it is the gardening phone-in, but we will plod our way through them, and I do answer pretty well all of them eventually. <laughs> so Liz from Wheelie. Hello, Liz. Hello. What I've can we do for you? Maho- I think it's a Mahonia. It's, all it said in the garden place was shrub in variety, but it smells gorgeous, but it has a white bloom. And RHS say they don't have a white-bloomed They mahonia. don't. Mahon- no. Mahonia is a yellow. Well, this one is it's not. It's its first cousin. Do the Dutch or Italian or wherever these people get them from have a white-bloomed one? Nope. Well, what is it? I, I don't know. I can't see it. <laughs> I'm not psych. I'm not. What sort psych- of flower? I'm Quick, not psych- quickly tell is. us. Quickly tell us what the flower looks like. Like they're little clusters of white, sort of little. Um, oh gosh. Could um, be it. Can you can you email us a photo, Liz? Perhaps I can get my daughter to. Yes, yes. of course you can. Ken dot Crowther at bbc.co.uk. How about that? Right. All right, I'll do that. It's a lot easier to identify something <laughs> yeah. if you can see it. <laughs> it is indeed. Uh, quickly, I've got a yucca plant which I've had for many years, and the year it has, it has flowers on it is this unusual. Joe? No, 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 it's not unusual. Often takes them a couple of years and a couple of yeah. warm summers on the trot to flower, but uh, no, not unusual at all. Uh, I've got a large pot with a rose in. Should I feed them or anything? No, you don't yeah, touch well, rose. Yeah, of course what? you feed them, but not now. Not now. Spring, in the spring. Spring to autumn is when you That's feed really plants important. in containers. How do I keep moss down on my pots outdoors? You pick it off, don't you? That's doing in... Pick it off and... Scrub, re- scrub it off. Thank you very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. If you missed any of the answers to the question we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you on the BBC Sounds app. And don't forget, if you have a gardening question and you'd like to ask us personally on the phone, why not give us a call next week after 11 on 0800 111 and be part of the programme. Yes, every Saturday morning with Ken Crowther here on BBC Essex. 